Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktana, and today we'll be discussing how the Akashics can allow us to experience shape-shifting, or being our totems, rather than just working with them. Students sometimes ask me why I have a lesson about affinities in my introductory class on reading your soul book. And if I have to have it, why have something about flying things? None of this seems to make logical sense, which is part of the point. There are several important reasons why I included a lesson on affinities in the Level 1 soul book course. Some of them are foundational such as the need for people to begin to understand how to relate to other beings in the Akashics. In this embodied life, we have various social roles and behaviors in each culture, which we go through in order to initiate connection, including shaking hands, offering our names, and asking questions about our vital stats, such as job and place of residence. We carry small talk and bare facts with us as a means to create points of contact, shared vocabulary from which to decide if we want to continue interacting, and if so, how. There's none of that in the Akashics, where everything is telepathic and telempathic. When communication is through changing your form, when thought is action, When being told a story makes you part of the story and a main character, understanding how all this works becomes important. Understanding alternative physical forms gives students vital keys for success. Learning about affinities also facilitates interactions with guides and other beings who might not present themselves in a bipedal form. As children, We're taught not only that animals, plants, trees, and rocks don't talk. There are books and toys specifically designed to teach young children that they don't, and to help us understand the appropriate way to imitate the noises they make. The cow goes moo, the duck goes quack, and we love stories which allow them to talk as if they're like us, all the while knowing that it is a fantasy for entertainment. Life on Earth teaches us that humans are the preeminent species. Although there are carnivores which can take us down, and weather or other natural disasters which have the ability to wipe us out in swaths, we manage through our analytical thinking to make our way. We have become the overwhelmingly dominant feature of the earth next to water. And religions of the book reinforce this through the myth of the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. The creation story, as well as others, tell us that we are the inheritor of God's power and meant to be the ruler and caretaker of this place. That there are a great many other spiritualities and religions who don't see it that way doesn't affect our behaviors much at this point. But this perspective is unique to this planet, and not the case in the Akashics. While bipeds of all kinds do dwell there, and we're able to interact there with a bipedal perspective, 
the majority of living beings are not human-looking, nor do they think as humans or interact as humans. And in reality, neither do we. Being human is a role we choose to play for a short amount of time, and to do so, we're required to take on certain traits, work with certain restrictions and constraints, and ignore a great deal of our true nature. We're actually beings of light who exist within the interconnected realm of the Akashics for the majority of our existence. The Akashics is both form and energy field, therefore existing in both structures, while creating and maintaining the universe in all its amazing diversity. Within the Akashics, there are beings which exist to help create life and to help it thrive. There are beings which provide means of travel and communication between what we would consider greatly distant places. There are beings which support union and communication between various dimensions of space-time. There are beings which help form and support the Akashics, and beings which support all the structures and other beings in it, from the planetary to the smallest particle. There are those which help create new souls, those who support the endings of things, and those who dream of what is to become so that it can become a reality. There are specialists in all these fields, and while some of these beings interact with humans and can appear in human form, the majority of them do not. They neither look like nor act like humans, nor should they. And they are as beautiful and loving and kind and strong as any of us, if not more so. I've met many such beings in my travels within the Akashics, and so I find it noteworthy and humorous when I read descriptions of the Akashics that are solely from the perspective of humans, such as the Akashics being one large building filled with grand monuments of human forms in each room. The Akashics is much more than just a building, and I've yet to find any room within it that has statuary of this description. Although that's not to say it isn't there, I've barely scratched the surface of all that exists there. I've found conservatories full of the most amazing flowers, rooms full of floor-to-ceiling windows, and swimming pools connected to the outer waterways where swimming beings can come indoors and swim with us and vice versa. I work in the library but also in the buildings where individual offices, meeting rooms, and workrooms exist. But I also travel in the garden, where teachers come to work with students, and I've flown over valleys where the seeds of existence are planted. I've walked the primordial forest and sat on the mountain which houses the temples for those who fly. It's not just about bipeds. And bipeds are no more and no less privileged or conscious than any other being. To work with the Akashics is to open yourself up to more than is dreamed of in the philosophy of humans, which I believe is how it should be. It can be difficult to overcome our human embodiment education, which tells us we are the epitome of embodied evolution, And I often have to encourage students to talk with their animal guides because they assume they can't speak or have no language. Because animals don't talk, right? 
But in the Akashics, they can, and they do. One way to overcome these deeply rooted lessons is through attraction or having an affinity for another form. When a student has an affinity for something, an understanding, a yearning for them, they're more than willing to interact and more open to alternative forms of interaction. Being flexible in mind and spirit is key to unlocking all the wondrous possibilities and opportunities of the Akashics. Tuning into affinities, making the connection both in their brain and with other beings, helps students with their flexibility in all aspects. But beyond the practical, there is somewhat of an Easter egg aspect to this as well. The lesson on affinities has a great deal of information concerning facets of the Akashics, which I don't usually teach at the introductory level. The meditation connected with this lesson, the introduction to the Temple of Life, keys the student into these facets. Both are open invitations, doors through which the adventurous or the precocious or the called, perhaps all three at once, can walk through to discover so much more. The Temple of Life has a great deal more than most people find without exploring, although some are immediately called to areas other than the one which I lead them to through the meditation. The temple is massive and each area, nook, cranny, display, column, and wall is interactive. Each has teachers connected with it who can and may accept students wishing to broaden their experience. Various doors connect the temple with other buildings within the Akashic City and can also serve as portals, like transporters, to other areas as the need arises. With more advanced students, I often guide them out the far end of the temple onto the lawn between the temple and the lake. There are always other people there, and the lawn is a neutral place where meetings with other beings can occur or where portals can be opened for moving from one space to the other without disturbing those around us. Becoming aware of their affinities prior to doing the meditation allows people the opportunity not only to meet those types of beings in the temple, but also to open themselves to shifting into that form. For example, if a student has an affinity to swans, once in the temple, they might feel a deep love and feeling of connection with swans, which brings on a shift in their form. Usually they don't notice until they feel an instinctual urge, like the need to run out of sheer joy, but instead of running, they take a couple of steps and hop into the air and they're flying. If they don't try to use their left brain to apply logic and rules to the experience, flight comes naturally and they soar free. Usually they'll be joined by others of their kind and taken on amazing adventures. Some students have been met in the temple by angels who welcome them home. Others have become hawks or eagles and soared free. I have one student who became a dragon and realized she'd always been one, but things now fell into place. The work then became to recognize when she had shifted from one form to the other during the Akashic work, 
and to do so as appropriate and with conscious intent rather than pure instinct. Deepening the connection with our affinities deepens our understanding of ourselves. Just as in any relationship, there is a part of ourselves being reflected back to us. And this is deeply true of our connection with totems, animal guides, and other beings for which we have an affinity. They show us an aspect of our soul which is being validated, exposed, supported, awakened, and unfolded. They are there to show us the way if we will only take the first step, and the next, and the next. Those who have explored the temple in any depth find messages, keys to aspects of themselves which they knew existed, but thought were a far-off dream or something only hinted at but never to be realized. Others are offered, like Alice in Wonderland, the choice of how far and how deep they want to go into exploring their true nature. Still others find they reconnect with their higher selves and their understanding of the suchness of all things and are able to begin incorporating this into their current life in a more profound way. If you've already worked with the Akashic Level 1 class material and this is a lesson which you skipped or went through quickly as a means to get on to the library and your soul book, I recommend visiting again and this time Go with the intention of connecting with the winged one that you have an affinity for. Let them lead you out into the possible beyond the real. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be looking into why there are no scary monsters in the Akashics, even though they are very much a part of embodied life. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. Thanks. Bye.